Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow is underway. The Monday edition recapping big thoughts, opinions of the college football and NFL weekend. We're back, baby. Glad you're with us. We are back, Hunter. Streaming on YouTube. You can find us right there by searching out Outkick. Subscribe while you're there, we hope, and join Chad in the chat. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. Armando Salguero. We'll think, we're thankful for him. Oh, Outkick.com's yes. NFL senior reporter. He joins us in 20 minutes. Reaction from the weekend, setting up. A three-pack of divisional matchups for Thanksgiving Day. Bobby Carpenter also on today's show. I mean, on every week, but you know why today. Ohio State, Michigan coming up this weekend. Uh, the former Buckeye jumps into the mix, as does Coach Lou Holtz. Back on with us an hour from right now. Chad, it is uh, jam-packed and a lot to get to today. Well, 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 Hutton, here we are on well, Monday well, again. Well. We made it through the weekend. This is uh, exciting stuff. Thrilled to be back. Was out of town uh, coaching some softball. Ate you this weekend, so a little bit disconnected from everything, but I can guarantee the viewer that I have watched highlight packages of everything. I've read a lot. I'm ready to go. I'm fired up about what was uh, an eventful football weekend, and we got a short week. Yes. These weeks are always fun from our perspective because it's where we get to cram a lot into a little, a lot like Thanksgiving. You cram <laughs> a lot into a little, Very depending little. on your size. Into a, a small, you, a lot of mass into a small bit of mass, which is your body. And then this week, we get to cram a lot of content into a small mass, which is the work week, which is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Chad, so just, I mean, from the weekend, just in general, the number one team in the country for college football is playing like the number one team in the country. Yes. Washington continues to be this year's version of TCU, and they do it in different ways. They're winning. They can beat anyone in the country, and they do it again in the elements and without Michael Penix Jr. playing all that well. They continue to win. And uh, Michigan, they survive over Maryland and, you know, a gut check type game. Ohio State wins and cruises. Of course, uh, a lot of cupcake games this weekend. Florida State wins but loses Jordan Travis for the season. We'll hit on that coming up as well. Plus, uh, the NFL uh, positioning for the playoffs. That's certainly happening right now, midway through November. There are no perfect systems or answers to college football's playoff system. Let me just say that first and foremost. I like what we have. I like where we're going. But the, the week is going to be dominated by Ohio State and Michigan in the matchup and uh, the previews, the hype. Enjoy it. Soak it in. Because the magnitude of this game for what it means, in effect, it's a playoff game this weekend. Same can be said, by the way, for the SEC championship game. It's a playoff-type game. Michigan and Ohio State, though, it, we know it means more from the impact of what has gone on off the field with Michigan, how they don't have Harbaugh on the sideline, and I think the average football fan looking for some gridiron justice with all of this. Nearly saw it on Saturday. Nearly saw it on Saturday. Could see it this upcoming Saturday. But what we're not going to see or feel, Chad, after this week is 
the magnitude and the weight of this one matchup. Because as we expand next year to the 12-team playoff, which again, I love, we're still going to have the possibility of seeing this matchup twice. And the fact that if this were next year, there are no divisions anymore in, in the Big Ten moving forward. Right now, it'll just be the top team against the second team. And that would be Ohio State and Michigan meeting again the following week for the Big Ten championship game. We could see Ohio State-Michigan three times over a two-month span moving forward. I don't like that. That's why I don't think we can overhype or oversell Ohio State-Michigan in 2023, regardless of what happens in the second half to Ryan Day's team in the past. Or regardless of if Ohio State does what many want them to do and just win the damn game on the road and take care of the Wolverines and it all be done with and we move forward. Chad... There are not many flaws to the 12-team playoff. This is one of them, and it's just one example. But this is the game, the game. And I'm going to miss that element of the game instead of having to discuss the games and the possibility of what we could see. Yeah, there is something about the finality of college football. And the final regular season weekend's one of those with the rivalry weekend and all the games we get to see. But... Yep. It feels like the start of a sequel, the start of a series, right? The start of a franchise. Michigan, Ohio State, round one. Because 12 team playoff, they're likely or they could meet again. At and we some could point. have seen that last year. I know the rebuttal there. Now, look, I think Michigan, Ohio State obviously will always be something of note mm-hmm. every time they play. But I still think the benefits far outweigh the negatives when you look at what's going to happen uh, moving forward with 12 teams involved and everything that could happen with it, and all the different teams that could be involved. Because the problem I have with college football right now is just the fatigue of feeling like a halfway into the season, there's like four or five teams right. that to follow for a national championship, you. right? And I, again, college football is fun because every, and I, I say this over and over, every team has different expectation, and success could mean something different for every program. It's not professional sports where there's 32 teams and, you either win the championship or you don't, right? It's Getting to a bowl game might be a great win for a certain team. Getting nine wins might be something. Getting ten wins is unheard of for some programs. Ask Missouri right now about you know possibly going ten and two this season and what that means for them. They're not going to win a national title, but that's huge for that program. Yeah. So I like that aspect of it. I'm going to like it more when there's more teams playing for that national championship. But I do get fatigued by feeling like, hey – there's only a handful of teams that really have a chance and that really could make it happen. And, and I think we kind of get to that point earlier and earlier in the year. One of those teams, Hutton, is Georgia, obviously. Yeah. I, I don't know that we're paying enough respect to exactly what they've got going on right now. I mean, we're talking about the first three-peat for a national championship since the 30s when Minnesota did it. And they are rolling right now. They just took on, at the time, it's not going to be the case with the college football playoffs tonight, but at the time, back-to-back top 20 college football playoff ranked teams in consecutive weeks. And they steamrolled them by 63 combined points Mm. in those two games with their wins over Ole Miss and Tennessee. Just so happens to be Brock Bowers comes back for that Ole Miss game and then has a touchdown against Tennessee on the road also. It's a team now... We can talk about what that says about Ole Miss and Tennessee, who's fallen off the last two weeks, but this is more about Georgia right now. They have hit their stride the right time of year. 
They have their rivalry game with Georgia Tech, then they're going to play Alabama in the SEC championship. And I'm just sitting there. It's such a foregone conclusion now with Georgia that they've got five and four-star guys at every position, and they send a ton of guys to the NFL. It doesn't matter. Because four- and five-star guys are right behind them, much like Alabama. Alabama hasn't won three straight under Nick Saban. No one is doing this. This is truly remarkable what Kirby Smart has done with that Georgia program that Hutton, they're on the verge of this history, and I feel like it's not even making the waves that it should because it's just all of a sudden, oh, it's Georgia. It's kind of what's expected. They're a machine. They have freaks at every position, and they're going to go about beating teams this way. And look out college football playoff field and Alabama because they're playing their best football right now at the end of the season. I think part of it is a lot like what happened with the Pac-12. Uh, that dominated the preseason discussion of the 2023 season. We were talking about 24. You know, yeah. we barely even discussed the season. I think the Michigan talk has overshadowed what Georgia's doing. Um, where if in a typical year, Chad, I think it's about going for the three-peat, and then the debate turns into, by this time of year, oh, can they win four in a row? You know, you're automatically thinking that, that historical significance of what we're seeing. They became the first team to go unbeaten in the SEC three years in a row since the SEC went to the eight-game format in 92. And they have tied Alabama now twice for the longest winning streak in SEC history um, with 28 games. Bama's done it twice. And here's Georgia now doing just that. that it, it's remarkable. And, I mean, Carson Beck is also being totally overshadowed by a lot of he's other... He's been incredible. I mean, it, he's... In every game, he's thrown for at least 250 yards. He had, what, five or six incomplete passes on Saturday. I mean, and they've just picked up. They went from being lumped in with Alabama, better but lumped in with Alabama, early in the year where it was like, okay, it looks like a down year for the SEC. And now both teams are waltzing into the SEC championship game. And in the meantime, and we'll see it next week, is, or this week, as Alabama takes on Auburn. But Georgia... They play angry. They play with a purpose. They know their identity. And they show up and show out, even though their path to Atlanta is already determined going into yeah, that game. And it, it's weird to say, but I feel like um, what George has accomplished these past three seasons is almost underappreciated. But for Somehow, some way, it feels like if it was Nick Saban on the verge of winning a third straight national title, it would be different. And I don't know why that is, because Kirby Smart is fantastic. And uh, I, I got to see the first half of the, the Tennessee-Georgia game this weekend. Lesser teams that are made of something different would have allowed a 75-yard touchdown run on play number one in a raucous atmosphere on the road to affect them. It did not affect Georgia in the least. No. You know how it affected them? They didn't play with one safety the rest of the game <laughs> after that one play. I mean, even Kirby Smart at halftime, they're up 24-10 at halftime systematically dominating the rest of that half after falling behind 7-0. And Kirby Smart's in the halftime interview. They said, how did your team bounce back from early poor play? And he just calmly says, well, we didn't. We played a run play really poorly one time. Other than that, it's been fine. You know, it's, it's gone exactly how we expected it to go other than that one play, right? And I'm thinking, dude's right. I mean, they walk in expecting to dominate. They play that way. Start to finish, they impose their will on teams. You don't have to be a Georgia fan to appreciate greatness. They're great. It's undeniable. 
and I think somehow underappreciated with that program right now that's going for a third straight national championship. And right now, Hutton, I'm looking around the country. I don't think anybody's beating them. That's Alabama included. I think they're going to continue. And it's almost like they have a mental edge now over everyone else too. I see that mental edge when they take the field. I think they're going undefeated and winning a third straight national they, title. They, they know exactly who they are. Exactly. And there's not many And they teams don't that let know a that. couple of bad things or one bad thing affect them at all. And that is a huge separator in college football. We see it with a lot of other programs that are talented and can do some things really well that aren't that mentally tough. Georgia is damn mentally tough. And they showed that week in, week out. They were mentally tough being down double digits at home to South Carolina. They were double digits being down at times against Auburn on the road. They were mentally tough falling behind 7-0 after one play on Saturday. It's just time and time again, they show why they're about to be a three-peat as a national champion, something we haven't seen since the 30s. We're about to see the equivalent of that for a playoff contender with Florida State because they win, but they lose Jordan Travis, who's had a phenomenal and outstanding college career, playing in a game where he has a gruesome leg injury, and he's done. And now they're turning to a backup, and they have Florida and Louisville coming up for their path to the college football playoff. Chad, this is the equivalent of that. How do they respond and keep things on track, given the fact that everyone's writing them off now? And I would would say if Washington won and Florida State was just – they beat North Alabama. They trailed 13-0, but again, they beat North Alabama. Easily in the end. Even it, what, no matter what Florida State ended up doing, if Washington won this game this weekend, and they did, I had them flip-flopping from four to yeah. five, right? Florida State and Washington swapping spots. But this is where, and it, it plays back into a bit of what we saw at the end of last year. This is where the committee will now judge them based on the backup quarterback. And forget about um, you know uh, Cardell Jones, for instance, the third-string quarterback that year for Ohio State where it, you don't judge the player, judge the team. And if Florida State continues to take care of their business and handle this to somewhat of the equivalent of what Georgia would do in a tough moment, they deserve to be in the college football playoff. But they have to take care of Florida and Louisville, and going into that with Travis, I would have said, no problem. And now there are questions, but they get a chance to prove it. And if they prove that, they should prove that they're one of the four teams that should be in. Yeah, and I look, I think Florida's going to be a problem for them yes. uh, with a backup quarterback. And at the li- initial line showed that. I think it's five and a half that Florida State is favored a- at home. Florida this weekend, too. Over I a mean, team, by the way, you get, keep this in mind. You got one team playing to be bowl eligible. Another right. team is playing for a spot in the college football playoff. And that's what the loss of Jordan Travis does to your team. Everyone knows why that line is what it is because Florida State doesn't have their best player at the best position, the biggest position, the most important position in Jordan Travis at quarterback. Florida's figured some things out offensively, even when Graham Mertz went down. They were still doing some some good things on offense. So even the loss to Arkansas, they, they figured some stuff out on offense. That's going to be tough for Florida State to finish this thing out undefeated. And then Washington showed some things. I mean, uh, Michael Penix Jr., his worst game in his tenure there. Um, and, you know, you've got to – You've got a spot where you're thinking, okay, this is where the march to the unbeaten season ends, right here. They were outgained in total yards, passing yards, rushing yards. They didn't score a single point in the second half. Oregon State had the ball at their own 42-yard line. They're down two with a chance to go win the game. And Washington survives. That is, this is the TCU version, Chad, of what we saw a year ago. 
survive in advance, survive in advance, and then get your opportunity in the playoff. And we know what the championship game looked like, but they sent a message to Michigan about, hey, we're, we changed our signs and you don't know it. We've got dummy calls. Yeah. Um, I still believe Washington can go toe-to-toe with practically anyone. I think they can beat anyone. But the close calls, to me, speak volumes about the moxie and the makeup and the metal of their team. Fourth quarter surge to beat Arizona State. They hold on and beat Oregon State on the road in bad conditions. Utah had 28 in the first half against them. Then they clamped down in the second half. They led Stanford by two, just two in the fourth quarter. They got 21 first downs to Arizona. And they were tied with USC going to the fourth quarter. And they won them all. So I, I, they deserve credit. But is it elite? No. Does it have the chance to be? Yes. Well, their mental fortitude is elite. And I'll put them not in the Georgia category as a team or talent-wise, but they've got some of that moxie to overcome some adversity. Still my favorite team to watch this year in college football. Agreed. Plenty of issues with the mental state of some of these NFL teams. Those big wins yesterday. Armando's next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody are located with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network rolls on. We mentioned whenever we uh, ran through the, the guests for the day, we're very thankful for Armando Salguera, who joins us weekly. He joins us now uh, early to recap what we saw from week 11. And we've got a pretty, pretty great Monday night matchup as well between the Chiefs and the Eagles. Armando, good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. What's up, gentlemen? Happy Turkey Day before Turkey Day. Thank you. I'll always think about that Turkey Day you spent in uh, Detroit or Pontiac, Michigan that you told about. You spoke so fondly of. Multiple. Yes, multiple that's right. Thanksgivings in Detroit and oof, yikes. <laughs> yeah. Very, uh, very forgettable indeed. Yeah. Hey, I, was, yep. uh, I was thinking about you and Chad last night watching Sunday Night Football. Dobbs with the football, a chance to go win the game for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, what were you thinking, Armando, as they took possession late? Yeah, so I was thinking, this is going to be a bad afternoon for me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got a knack for the dramatic. That is that is for certain so far uh, with with the Vikings. 
What what it about does. look the, the Viking six and five, you know, still very much alive, but tough loss last night. The Broncos were favored in that game by almost a field goal. And I'm thinking if you'd have said that after they gave up 70 against the Dolphins, oh. I mean, that speaks to the turnaround we've seen, right? From this this Broncos team. How how about this team now sitting at five hundred or one game below? Right. Uh they are um they are a great turnaround story, and not just uh, as a team, but individually as well. You have to understand, right? One of the punching bag guys last year was Russell Wilson. You had guys like Richard Sherman, former teammates, uh, ripping him. You had pundits ripping him. Right now, he's sitting there with 19 touchdown passes, four interceptions, that leads the NFL in touchdown to interception ratio. Um, he's not the reason that they were struggling early in the year, unless you decide that it was his fault. He didn't score 71 points against the dolphins. And so that's the reason that they lost that game. Um, so, you know, I, I really do believe that, that the Broncos are, let's say headed in the right direction and let's agree that they are going to be a problem and a tough out the rest of the season, which is way more than you can say for some of the teams in that division that were expected to be good. Do you feel the same way about the Cleveland Browns? No, not at all. Um, (laughs) I'm going to say something that I said to Donovan McNabb on the five spot podcast that is on the outkick network. Um, I, I think the Brown season, you know, is headed nowhere. And the reason I think that is because once you lose your starting quarterback, uh, regardless of how great your defense is and theirs is great, regardless of how strong the roster is otherwise, and they do indeed have a strong roster. Um, I just, I just don't see how you come back from that unless you have a young prodigy backup quarterback. And while I respect Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, I don't think he's a young prodigy quarterback. Yeah. I think, I think he's you know a, a, a guy that will have his ups and have his downs and have his pluses and have a lot more minuses. And that makes him a typical rookie quarterback in the NFL. And you don't make the playoffs with that kind of quarterback play. And you definitely do don't do any damage in the playoffs. If you happen to stumble in headed into week 12 with week 11 wrapping up tonight. And we're discussing off of the week. Broncos, Browns, which is crazy. By the way, those two teams meet uh, next Sunday. Armando Salguero with us here on Hot My with Hutton with Row across the Outkick Network. Uh, is there a bigger result yesterday than what we saw with the Bills? They fire their offensive coordinator and Joe Brady, uh, who had an audition against the Jets defense. Granted, it was the New York Jets and Zach Wilson can't even take the field without falling down. He's been benched. Um, and we'll get to Jets and Dolphins in a moment, which is Black Friday, and they paid a ton of money for Tim Boyle to start this game now. Um, (laughs) We did see that the Jets' defense has had tons of success against Josh Allen, and they change offensive coordinators, go into this game, and they take care of business. A 5-5 and team no longer. Yeah, and 
it was funny because before just the series prior to Zach Wilson being benched, and I'll get to the Bills in a second. Yeah. Right, right before that was the moment that I knew it the it's it the season's over for him. And that was when he was scrambling out of the pocket and ran to the sideline and rammed and trucked his head coach. And and you take out your head coach when that moment happened, it was it was the the moment where everybody knows he has no awareness. He has no field vision. All you had to do, dude, is move six inches to the left or six inches to the right or throw the ball away and you actually don't lose yardage. But why would you truck your head coach as you're trying to escape pressure? Uh, those things just – a quarterback with any sort of a, awareness – doesn't need to do that. And um, the best line that I saw, unfortunately, wasn't mine about that play was when someone said they they have a picture of Robert Sala and Rob and uh, Zach Wilson going down. And it was, yeah, those two are going down together. And that's appropriate. And that's a little bit how it feels right now with the New York Jets. As far as the, the Bills are concerned, yeah, all good, but the schedule is a monster coming up. Yep. And so you beat a team that hasn't scored a touchdown or hadn't scored a touchdown in 43 possessions. Good. That's awesome. Um, and solid defense, great. But your, your uphill cr- climb is... Mount Everest-like. Nice preseason matchup for the Bills yesterday because next week they are on the road in Philadelphia, to Armando's point. Well, Philadelphia, over their last 20 games, 16-4. and four. The Chiefs, 17-3 and three over their last 20. And the Detroit Lions are 16-4. and four. Same as the Philadelphia Eagles over their last 20 games. If it wasn't the Detroit Lions, would we not be talking about them more as a possible Super Bowl champion this season? Yeah, what what are the Minnesota Vikings in that span, Chad? No, just, uh, just well, they they were pretty just, good for a while in one yes. score games. Like, yeah, they're the longest winning nah, streak just, in the NFL. They were six. They're six and five now. So, yeah, not too just bad. Kidding. Yeah, I know. Just 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 yanking. I'll the be chain. back next week when they win again, Armando, with my question about Josh Dobbs. Uh, no doubt about it. <laughs> I I understand that is my lot in life. <laughs> no, look. The Lions yesterday were down 12 points with three minutes to play, and they won the game. Goff was booed in the third quarter. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and I get it. The The Chicago Bears, they they have the ability to come up with inventive ways to, to look bad, and they did yesterday. But when a team plays poorly like the Lions did yesterday and still win – and win in a division game, that says that, you know, that's a team that's going to have to be reckoned with down the road because you can't put your best product on the field every single week. And in the weeks where you put a bad product on the field, you still win? Wow. Um, Having said that, they are still, you know, kind of like 
the redheaded stepchild to the Eagles, I mean, uh, they would have to travel if the season ended today, which I know it doesn't. They still would have to travel to the Eagles. And so um, are they the favorite in the NFC? No, the Eagles are, but still pretty impressive. Speaking of the Eagles, of course, tonight they're on the road in Kansas City. It's not an easy place to play. I'll tie in the Lions, too. We've seen them win on the road at Arrowhead this year. Philly's 8-1. and one. Uh, KC is at 7-2. and two. Uh, The discussion, though, in previewing this game and just hearing those that, uh, and what they think is going to happen, again, it's the NFL, who knows? But most people say, oh, it, you know, if Kansas City wins, of course they do because Andy Reid's 28-4, and four, whatever the record is, coming off a bye. He's 4-0 and oh against Philadelphia. And they play great at home, and it's Mahomes and Kansas City's defense. If Philly goes on the road tonight and wins, and they ascend to the top of the NFL where, I mean, again, they're 8-1, and one, is this where it flips to Philly is the favorite hands down? What's the discussion tomorrow if Hurts and company go win against Mahomes? I think the discussion tomorrow is, did Taylor Swift show up or not? Oh, she'll be there. <laughs> The families are meeting is, tonight. Apparently, that's the big uh, to do. They're going to meet meet in the suite together. Is that is that the deal? That's the is deal. That the, the, yeah, the, the, the you'll the, be writing about it tonight. The Swift clan no. and the Kelsey clan. Yeah, no, I, I won't. The, look, <laughs> that Good. that narrative now is unless she shows up, Travis Kelsey plays poorly. In the last game that the Chiefs played, which was prior to the bye. Um, he had like 14 yards receiving, which is like a, a low in the last like nine or 10 years for the guy. And people are actually saying, this is true. It's because Taylor Swift wasn't at the game. <laughs> uh, and, and this is where I start to check out on NFL analysis, because that's where we are in 2023. That's where we are. Uh, as far as the Eagles are concerned, dude, uh, it's going to be awesome to see that offense against maybe the best defense in, in, I don't know, maybe the best or the second best defense in the AFC behind Cleveland. The Kansas City Chiefs are a team with a reputation for scoring a lot of points. You mentioned Andy Reid, an offensive genius, yada, yada, yada. That defense is championship caliber, and that's the reason that they're where they're at right now. Uh, by the way, uh, Taylor Swift remains in Brazil. She's not actually. She's changed her plans as of uh, an hour ago. I'm, I'm reading Vanity Fair right now, just for you, Armando. Trouble uh, in paradise. It's unclear if Andrea and Scott Swift will still attend this game. There you go. Reading Vanity Fair is not a, a phrase that I expected to to hear during yeah. this uh, segment. So I, e news. I, I honestly never even knew what Brandon Staley's voice sounded like. Speaking of not hearing things <laughs> until this sound, sound clip, I'm I'm on the road driving back late afternoon. I, I turn on a Sirius XM to a, a post game press conference. I'm hearing this guy. I'm like, man, this guy is he's pissed off for greatness. He's ready to go. Who is this? Oh, that's Brandon Staley getting very defensive about his job performance and his team and, and what he's done. Uh, Armando, typically this is the first sign that uh, a coach is likely on their way out when they start holding press conferences like the one we heard from Staley after another tough, close loss in Green Bay this time. And during the press conference, he says, I'm not here for the fans. 
Yeah, I'm not here to answer to the fans. I'm going to tell you what we've done. I'm calling defensive plays. Yeah, Stop no, asking. Our defense certainly wasn't the problem today. It's like, whoa, okay. That wasn't the but, issue. That's It's true, though. He's it right about that. Yesterday, of course, he didn't mention the two other games where they gave up 534 and 536 yards this season. And he hasn't mentioned the other games where, you know, Justin Herbert, who is an elite quarterback, has given the team a lead, and somehow Brandon Staley's defense has found a way yeah. to blow it. So, um, yeah, first step toward the door, and that's what Brandon Staley has has taken that we could see publicly. Up until now, it was well, we think that he's not doing too good because we see his team and we see his defense, and he's the defensive coach. And he's also the defensive play caller. Why aren't they better? Why are they wasting? Why are they wasting Justin Herbert? Now we see why they're wasting Justin Herbert. And I don't think they're going to keep doing that if, uh, you know, the direction of the franchise continues as it has been. I am, uh, I'm tabling my love for the Dallas Cowboys for another week, um, even though there's plenty of reason to buy in. I know what happened to Carolina, and I know who the Panthers are. We'll see them firsthand here, Chad, unfortunately, against the Titans in Week 12. That's a brutal um, one. Derod Bland, uh, four pick sixes already this season. You can talk me off the, uh, the bandwagon next week after the Thursday matchup against Washington. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Armando. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining us weekly. It's always my pleasure, gentlemen. Happy Thanksgiving. Armando thank you, Salgaro. Armando. Go Vikings. One of the best. Sit on the way out. One of the best. Oh, we need to ask him, too, about the Dolphins' defense. Get him. Jalen Ramsey doing it again. Yeah. Back at it. Hey, the Raiders, pretty legit under Pierce so far. Not yeah, bad. Not not bad at all. Uh, coming up, Bobby Carpenter. Get his take on Ohio State and Michigan next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeeha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on, recapping what was a, a great football weekend. Not a ton of great matchups on paper. Turned out to be some as the weekend played out. Uh, NFL included in that, not just college. Auburn, New Mexico was not a great matchup on paper. And it turned out Dude. to not be a great matchup because New Mexico State just rolled Auburn. I was refreshing game. my phone, the scoreboard on the, the app, Chad. Yeah. And I'm thinking, is this, is this right? I did, I did the same thing. I got into the day looking at all the scores in different conferences, and I had to refresh twice yeah. and said, is this flipped? Uh, that's what I thought, too. 31 to 10 Aggies of New Mexico State, not A&M Aggies. That was wild. Bobby Carpenter joins us. It's going to be a wild week of uh, hype surrounding Ohio State and Michigan. Joins us, Sirius XM Channel 84 and much more. Bobby, good to see you. Um, what comes to mind when you think of Ohio State-Michigan in this matchup each year? 
Oh, goodness. Um, you know, we're live, reliving this on a daily basis here uh, with my radio show in Columbus. And, uh, you know, everybody's got their own you know college matchups that are big. The regionality of college football, what makes it great. And that's as we go to this national landscape here uh, and you see, you know, we watched Texas and A&M split. Now they're coming back together. You see Bedlam, seen the Civil War, the Apple Cup, you know, Oklahoma, Nebraska, which was so great. You know, just some of these terrific rivalries that we've had, you know, be diminished a little bit. And like you look in the SEC with, you know, the expansion now, you know, are you going to have, you know, Georgia and Auburn play consistently? You know, I mean, who's going to be these locked in rivalries and matchups? Tennessee and Alabama. I mean, is that going to be something you see regularly? And, you know, I was talking today on on a podcast with a couple of my uh, friends and, you know, they're like, are you lamenting this at all? Because this is kind of the last, the last hurrah, you know, it's the big 10 that went to divisions. And at first guys, they had it split. So Ohio and Michigan were on different sides, but yet they played each other uh, the last game of the season. So they could have rematched in the final week, which no one really liked, but thankfully it didn't work out like that. But since then the West has never won one. And so this has kind of become the de facto big 10 championship game at the end of the year. And as you look at it with now USC and Oregon and Washington, and UCLA coming in, and going divisionless, you could play back-to-back -back weeks. You could potentially play three times when you go to expanded CFPs. And I, I mean, I love college football for the fact you have these rivalries and they're singularly focused. And it's one game a year. It's not like basketball; you play multiple times, and it really can define your season. And so, as we sit there and look through it, like, okay, there's guys at Ohio State who are going to be fourth-year players. Some of them on the way out, and they've never beaten Michigan. They didn't play two, three years ago. Two years ago, they, they lost uh, up there. Last year, they lost at home. And to think it's been, I want to say, oh, goodness, going back to the 95, 6, and 7 seasons where they lost three consecutively, and there was your group that came through and didn't win one. Like, that, that to me is kind of wild. And so everybody's kind of focused on that, understanding the magnitude of it. Meanwhile, trying to juggle a little bit of everything that's going on with the Connor Stallion situation, the science stealing, the, you know, the investigation by the Big Ten and the NCAA. Obviously, they they didn't follow through with their appeal and trying to get a temporary restraining order. And so how does all this play into it? You know, does it amplify the game? Does it make it more for the players? Is it a distraction? There's just a lot there to digest. By the way, we've got Thanksgiving to digest as well. No doubt. No doubt. Bobby Carpenter with us. So uh, last week we brought up the what – what could happen where Harbaugh may not be on the sideline for Ohio State at the time that was still the case, but we didn't know how things would play out last week. And then, of course, we saw he's not going to be. Um, I don't. I, I get the sense you don't buy into the pressure of Ryan Day winning this as much as maybe I I do. But I do remember last year after the loss to Michigan, and, and I buy into the fact it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. Um, and I, I asked you, we could see the rematch for the national title, and you 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 know you kind of you're like wow yeah we could what would happen if Ryan Day lost to Harbaugh twice in the year and lost the title? I do think he's feeling pressure. Am, am I way off base with this? And if he loses this game without Harbaugh there, what happens? You know, I do think not Harbaugh not being on the sideline probably did add an extra layer of pressure right there. Um, but I, I Ryan had talked to some people after that Michigan game and in between the Georgia game and. Uh, I think they call they played tight, and I think that was a function 
you know, of Ryan just being a little conservative. You're at home. You should win this game. You lost the year before. I think there's just a lot of stuff going on, obviously, with it. And going to that Georgia game, it's like, listen, I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to call this thing uh, fast and loose. We're going to be aggressive. We're not going to be stupid. We're not going to be foolish. And it's like, dude, just be that guy all the time. Win, lose, or draw. Just be who you are and don't try to be someone else or don't worry about how it comes off and the perception of it. And so I think he's kind of embraced that. I think the team has leaned into that. You know, some of the veteran players have leaned into it because I think there is you know pressure on him to obviously win this game. It's been 20 years of dominance, and no one wants to have that flip, obviously, on their watch. And, you know, with all the sign stuff and everything going on, it seems like there's an increased level of intensity. And I don't know. It's, I always used to say it was sports hatred, but now I look like at our landscape politically and everything else that goes on. Like, I think it, like, transcends it almost to actual hatred, which I don't necessarily think is a good thing, but I think that's maybe where we're at a little bit. Should the Jordan Travis injury factor into the decision by the college football committee of where to rank them at all? Um, maybe a little bit. I think more of it should factor in after this week, you know, and then the ACC championship game. You know, Florida obviously isn't this juggernaut of a team, but they're not bad, and they've they played some good football intermittently. Um, I believe it's in Florida. Then you're going to play Louisville, who's pretty good, but. You know, the CFP, I mean, the, the the committee, they've looked at this in the past. You know, they factored it in, I think. Um, you know, this similar thing happened to Ohio State. You know, JT Barrett goes down and breaks his ankle. Um, and then all of a sudden you have Cardell Jones come in and beat Wisconsin. I, I don't think they would have gotten in had they not been as dominant as they ultimately were. And so I think how you look against a good team is going to matter. So, I don't think they'll penalize them too much this week. They don't really have to. Maybe they flop them with Washington, which I feel like Washington is playing a little better right now at this point anyway. But I think over the next two weeks, what you see from Florida State, how they play is going to be incredibly critical of how they get ranked. Over the last two or three weeks, how has your perception of Georgia changed in their play? And what have they solidified to you that you're certain of consistent wise consistency wise with with the Bulldogs this year compared to the last two where they're going for a three-peat yeah their offense has played a lot better and they started turning the corner a couple of weeks ago uh defensively I, I think that they, they they're playing more consistent than they have I don't think this is a dominant Georgia defense like we've seen the last two years which was you know just overwhelmingly talented they're good they're still a little bit young they there's going to be some issues, but they've gotten better. But I think offensively, you've seen them be more explosive. Lad McConkey coming back and him being healthy. You've watched what he's been able to do. Brock Bowers came back in. You know, he hasn't had these massive impact on games, but you watch him play. And you're like, okay, this guy looks healthy and he looks ready to go. And so it seems like they're hitting their stride right at the right time at the end of the season, which is critical. And that's what you want to be. You want to be best at the end of the year. Now, obviously, you don't want to lose a game early on because Alabama is kind of suffering that a little bit now, but you want to be a team that improves and is playing your best ball in November and December. Where do you rank the level of disappointment in having a returning Heisman Trophy winner and going 7-5 and five the next year with that guy playing the entire season with what Lincoln Riley has put forth this year with USC? Well, I think when you play the way that they do, I think it was going to catch up with them. They're not great in the trenches, and they haven't been great on defense. And so when that's the case, you're going to rely on your quarterback to beat pressure with with his legs, to beat it with the throws. I don't, you know, Jordan Addison's gone. I mean, they're not 
I think they're good at the wide receiver position. I don't know if they're quite as good as they have been. Um, but when you can't stop anybody, there's an immense pressure on your quarterback. And then when you can't really block anybody up front, that only magnifies it. And so I don't know if Caleb Williams is better or worse than he has been in the past, but I know this, he's been under siege a lot and they've had crazy high expectations for what they need him to do. And so when you factor that in, like it was the recipe for something like this to happen. Now I didn't think they'd go, you know, potentially seven and five like that. That's not where I was looking, but if you would have said, Hey, maybe they're nine and three, like, okay, that sounds like it could happen. Look at the pac 12. It's pretty good. There's teams out there that can score and there's some teams that can play defense. You've got Notre Dame on the schedule too. And you've never really solidified anything other than the fact that your quarterback's really good. Speaking of Notre Dame, we've got Lou Holtz coming up in about 10 minutes. Nice. Um, how, as we continue to preview this the rest of the week up until Thanksgiving, what do we focus on, Bobby? How does Ohio State go on the road and win this game against Michigan? I want to say the last 21 contests, if I'm not mistaken, if you look over the last 70 years, the team that wins the rushing battle wins this game. And, you know, whether that's total yardage or maybe that's yards per attempt. I mean, there's different metrics, but you got to be able to get a yard when it's third and fourth and one, third and fourth and two. You're down in the red zone. You've got to be able at the goal line to be able to punch it in. And then you've got to be able to run it effectively. And, you know, maybe that's 18 to 22 carries. Maybe that's, you know, 45 carries. But you have to be able to go, you know, get six, seven yards on occasion, pop some through, and it, it starts in the trenches. And that's where this lineup is going to be interesting. Michigan's really good on the interior of their defensive line this year. Probably not as good on the outside. I don't think their offensive line is quite as dominant as, as it has been. And I think that that shows with maybe their lack of these big explosive run plays. You know, Blake Corum ripped one off, you know, to kind of put the dagger in Penn State at the end. But last year, I mean, you watched these big explosive gains. And Ohio State's been better on defense. They haven't given up those big runs. I think Rutgers had the longest one they had on the, the little fumble ruski. Play. So they've got to make sure they continue to run the football. You're where you're supposed to be. And you've got to tackle well. Like when Ohio State's gotten in trouble in the past, I mean, it's a failure to tackle. And that's been a, an issue that they have had. So this year they've done all of those things, but it only matters right now. And so that's how they're going to be able to win it. You have to go in there, run the ball. Yeah, you're going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. involved. You're going to get Mecca Abuka involved. Like Ohio State will have some big plays. Ryan Day will have something for them. But when it's third and one, you've got to be able to run and go get it. Now, how that run looks, be creative about it. But you have to be able to win the rushing battle in this game or be close with it. You cannot be giving up 300 yards on the ground or 250 yards uh, rushing. Is there, And I know you're you're all in with the Buckeyes here. Is there also a part of you that's like, okay, I want some gridiron justice with what's going on with the, the sign stealing? Or is it still overblown to you? Um, yeah, I keep saying there's going to be more and more stuff that's going to continue to come out that will be proven true, I believe, ultimately as well. Um, yeah, I'm just basing it off what we know right now. Yeah. No, no, I'm with you. And that's – is there justice? And I, I would like to hope. Uh, but the players have to go out and win. Like, Michigan is a good football team. Yeah. Like two, two things can be true. What they did was a competitive advantage, but they're also still good. Like, they're not going to go out there they – they wouldn't have gone out and gone 8-4 and four this year. Like, that's not who they are. They're right there at the tops of the Big Ten. They're a very talented team. But you have to go out there and beat them. And, you know, despite, you know, signs and signals and some different things, you still, what Deion Sanders said is true. Like, you have to go out and make the plays. Now, knowing a little bit of what's going on, that's going to obviously enhance you and help you become a better player. But you still have to go out and make it. You have to block. You have to tackle. You have to make the catches. All of those things. And so, yes, I think there would be ultimately a little bit of poetic justice to see this happen. Um, 
I, you know, for the guys being a part of this, I uh, won three and lost one in this. I know how bad it feels to lose them. I know how good it feels to win a heck of a lot more than you lose, but you've got to find a way ultimately to get it done. And, you know, it's going to be a slugfest. I don't think this is going to be a game that will reside in the 30s. This thing to me is is screaming more, you know, 20s and maybe teens. If you get 28 points, you should feel pretty good about your chances of winning. What are you looking forward to most for the Thanksgiving spread? Ooh, gosh, that's uh, pretty good. My, I, I love, I'm a classic turkey guy. We used to have turkey and ham. Like, it's going to be a feast, guys. Number one rule, it's got to have two meats, okay? You okay. can't just have one. So for Christmas feast, we yep. Yeah, we usually do ham and we'll do um, a beef tenderloin, maybe a pork tenderloin, something else with multiple meats. I uh, like the mashed potatoes. Uh, my my mother-in-law makes this really good. It's uh, She calls it a pretzel salad. There's nothing salad about it. <laughs> it's uh, it's like a sugar pretzel crust on the bottom that has like a layer of you know either strawberry or blueberry glaze and like a cream on top. It's a nice, sweet, and spi- uh, salty treat. Um, that I really enjoy. My wife makes this pumpkin pie cheesecake. It's kind of a half and half split. That is, uh, I'm a really You'll, big fan of. You have to send some leftovers to us. Well, I'll get them down there. Or I'll fly to you, one of your two jets. Bobby, thank you, man. <laughs> Thankful for you uh, each and every week. Really appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. Happy Thanksgiving, gentlemen. Thanks, Bobby. Bobby Carpenter. Lou Holtz joins us next on Hot Mike with Unwithrow across the Outkick Network.